0: Welcome to this week's episode of Adulting. I'm Miranda Marquette, and today we are talking about the meaning of life. We'd like to say it's 42 and then move on, but it's probably a little bit more than that. So join us as we talk about the meaning of life.
1: Welcome to Adulting, the podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv Welcome to Adulting. I am Harlan, and I'm here, as usual, with Miranda. How are you doing, Miranda?
0: I'm doing well. How are you today, Harlan?
1: I'm doing fantastic. Topic for today is life's meaning. Figure it out. So (laughs) this is an interesting topic because I think philosophers have been dealing with this for several centuries. It's a question that we all grapple with. Uh, Why are we here? What is our purpose? Um, And you know, maybe it's a question that is not always answerable, and maybe that's okay. But that doesn't mean that it isn't worth thinking about and uh, using to help guide your life in some kind of direction um, so that we aren't completely directionless as we're going about our the goal setting that we do and the life path that we choose or that we follow at any one time, whether we choose it or not. Um, but having some meaning or some purpose behind that can certainly move us in a direction that gives us a little bit of satisfaction
0: Right and one of the things I like to think about when you're thinking about your life and what you want your life to look like is in journalism school when I was working on my degree one thing that we one thing that struck me was we learned that most major newspapers, most major news organizations, write obituaries for famous people who are all still alive. They're not even dead yet. (laughs) They already have obituaries because they keep them on file so that as soon as that person dies – They can run that obituary out there and it's – because it's like breaking news when somebody famous dies, which is – it's a horrible way to think about it. But they do and every now and then they pull out the obituary and they update it to make sure that it's as current as possible so that when that famous person dies, all of a sudden they just need to add a couple lines and it's done and ready to go. And so that's something you can do. One
1: uh, one of the ways that we've seen this is there have been some instances where the media has prematurely published someone's obituary. And I guess the initial reaction is, you know, someone was maliciously trying to put out some bad press or something about someone who hasn't died and make it seem like they have. The, the, as you said, these obituaries are just in file and sometimes they get published without uh, without intention. And even if they're retracted quickly, people generally pick up on it because it's the internet. And then, you know, the media, uh, uh, the publication has to deal with it afterwards.
0: Right. But I think that's a good practice for you. I mean, what what would your obituary say? Sit down and write your obituary up to this point. (laughs) What would it say? So what would yours say? Oh dear. Really? We're going to ask that question. Right. So up to this point, I think my obituary would be mostly about, uh, I'm writing, I'm a mother and I've been in lately, which is great because this hasn't been part of my obituary up until probably about the last six months or so. But, uh, a big part of the community because I've been getting so much more involved in community work since I've moved here. And so that's actually a recent addition to my obituary that I really like and gives meaning. I know people are like, Oh well you're a mother, that's meaning enough. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> but at the same time as a just me and for my own, I guess maybe selfish personal enrichment, I do like to be involved with in the community and well, I love my son, and being a mother is a big part of my identity. It is not the only part of my identity, and so I would like something else in my obituary.
1: So that covers everything up until now. But the point of the exercise is not it. You know, what would your obituary read if you pass away now? It's what will your obituary read when you pass away at you know the ripe old age of one hundred and
0: twenty. <laughs> well, what's yours going to say? <laughs>
1: Mine would say, um, you know, that I was a big supporter of, uh, of the arts and, um, I would be successful in the foundation that, uh, that I'm involved in, um, supporting financial literacy, supporting the arts. You know, I guess, Like you, I'm already on that path, but I think there's still so much that I haven't done, and I would like the obituary to reflect some level of
0: success in both of those endeavors. Right, that's a good point, too, because, like you were saying, I mean, mine reflects that, yeah, I've been doing some community service stuff, but I haven't really you know, gone out there and made a huge difference. And I don't expect to make a, I don't expect my obituary in the future to say like I changed the world or anything, but I would like it to say that I made a difference in my community in the small little area that I inhabited that I made a difference. And that's really kind of the goal. I think for my future obituary is that I've actually made a difference in my community.
1: Yeah, I think that's, you know, making a difference is something that everybody wants to do. Um, and you mentioned changing the world. There are a lot of young people who want to change the world, and they're going a- a- about it, and uh, some are being enormously successful, and we've certainly heard all about them in the news because – Certainly every media outlet is going to make a big deal if there's someone young who is enormously successful in something that they're doing, whether it's building a company, maybe it's a, you know, an IT company or some kind of uh, software app that a young person has been enormously successful uh, uh, with, or whether it's, you know, nonprofit or community service. And uh, there's a young person who's doing a fabulous job with this that is enviable even among older generations
0: right and i think too though before we get caught up in oh let's change the world um i think one of the things to remember is even if you're just if if everybody sat down and did their best to make their community a good place then the world would change and so i think that's something to remember too is that you can influence the future and you can make a difference uh, by being a good parent by being involved in your local community by trying to Make a difference in the small place where you're at because that can spread and the things that you teach others, it moves out and because they'll take that with them when they go to influence whoever it is they're influencing.
1: Yeah, I think there's a uh, saying that goes, think globally, act locally, which applies yes. to this situation, and it used to be a very popular thing that you would hear, and now for some reason, I don't know who was promoting it back in the day, it's just something you don't hear as often anymore, but it, it, it applies here, and I think it makes a lot of sense. You have these big visions, um, which is great uh, for those who have figured out what their big vision is, not everybody has yet, we'll talk about mm-hmm. that. And then it's taking that big vision and boiling it down to something smaller that you can do on a small basis that might have a large effect over time or over space.
0: But so, while we're sitting here talking about all this, we both write about money, and one of the big things that people write about now is like, "Oh, go find your meaning in life," and you know, you can go out and do this, but and they make it sound like it's so easy. But what's the reality? The reality is that having that meaning in life and going out and doing what makes you happy or doing what makes a difference isn't something that everybody can just do. It's not sort of this right that we all have. It's really kind of a luxury.
1: Finding and realizing, you know, making it come to life, your mission or your meaning or your vision is this top level of a pyramid um, that you can't just get to you have to satisfy all of your needs below that first and we often talk about maslow's hierarchy of needs which is basically a psych 101 um, (laughs) lesson that probably isn't entirely an accurate picture of the world but still is a useful tool um, for talking about how you can get to this point of self-actualization the top of the pyramid which is Basically, understanding and realizing your your meaning, um, or at least partly, right. and yeah, because I don't think um, <clears throat> you probably still have to get higher than this pyramid in order to yeah. uh, to really realize your meaning. But but there's a lot of things we have to satisfy first. If you are living paycheck to paycheck, trying to pay your bills, you know, in trying to put food on plates for your family, you don't have time to really step back and discover more things about yourself and about your you know this higher level of of why you're here on this earth i mean you have something that you need to do every day whether you're working two jobs or three jobs or maybe one job just you know lots of hours in order to do what you need to do you don't have time to step back and and self-evaluate or look at your um, education or or fulfill anything that's kind of in the middle of this pyramid and we'll we'll have one of these on the on our resources on adulting.tv for you to look at and understand a little bit more about so that's that's the first thing. I mean, you know, this this is what we're talking about today is a luxury. I think one of the typical things that kids do is they'll say, "Well, I want to take a gap year before college and, you know, travel to Europe and find myself." That's really a luxury. There there are a lot of people in this world who don't even get to go to college. They have to they have to work right after high school and start earning money to support their family. <laughs>
0: I think it's, I'm sorry, I think it's hilarious to talk about, oh, I'm going to go find myself and I'm going to take a yap year and I'm going to find myself in one year by going to Europe or going, you know, or backpacking through Asia or or whatever it is you think you're going to do.
1: I mean, it's an excuse for an adventure and I mean, it's great to have that adventure if you
0: can. I mean, I'd I'd love to have done that while I was young. Oh, it would have been fun, but I don't think it would have helped me like find myself. Let's, let's be true. Let's be honest here. I mean, finding yourself is a lifetime exercise. Right. And I think I'm still fine wow, I know I'm still finding myself because what I thought was me and what I thought my life was, was completely upended. And so I had to restart all over again. And I'm in my thirties.
1: <laughs> it's the same thing with me. And, you know, not necessarily from the family side, but from the career side. I mean, I set off on a, on one particular path. I mean, I, I changed paths several times. I started off entering college thinking I was going to be a music teacher my entire life and maybe, you know, moving on into administration. But really that was the path that I had set for myself. And as I actually found myself on this path, things changed and um for better or worse and I certainly am happy with the way things turned out. But there was a period of time where I wasn't sure what was going to happen with my life and I was questioning this whole purpose that I came up with myself when I was much younger. I mean, I thought I had everything figured out and then suddenly I didn't like what I was doing. <laughs> So that really questions your whole meaning. So it's okay to question this once in a while and, and realize that even if we think we have it figured out, anything can happen. And sometimes life, you can't plan 100% of life. Sometimes it's a reaction to what's going on around you, and that's okay.
0: Yeah, and I like this idea of taking a step to back and, and reevaluating every now and again because sometimes we just need to to say wait a sec am I on the path I want to be and do I need to make a course correction but I think part of this too is um, you know we talked a little bit about if you're in survival mode you may not be able to go out on this grand adventure and try all these things but I think you can still find meaning even if you're working a couple of jobs and and trying really hard to survive. Life is not great if you don't have meaning. And so I think there are ways you can find meaning. So what are some of these ways that you can find meaning meaning, even if you're struggling right now? One thing
1: is to find meaning in your career. And this would have sounded absolutely ridiculous to me when I was working for uh, a financial corporation Mm -hmm. because I was really just a very small part of And even the division of the company I was in was more inward facing. In other words, we provided services to the company itself instead of facing, you know, the public and providing some kind of service to the public. So that was even further removed from doing something that I felt was valuable because my job function was only necessary because of the company's existence. I wasn't doing work that was meaningful to the world i was doing work that was meaningful to employees of the company which to me it was hard for me to find meaning in that i mean you know there are certainly people who have these types of jobs who find a lot of meaning in it and even though their job wouldn't exist if it weren't for the the company structure they still find meaning and that's and that's great i'm glad i'm glad there are people who find meaning in that type of work i just happen to not be one of them so You know, I I hated the idea of trying to find meaning in my career because my career was not set up in a way that was meaningful to me. Um, So that was a big, you know, that was obviously because of this, it was not the right place for me. And it took me a long time to kind of get out of that. Um, And, you know, perhaps. For if you're a teacher, when I was a teacher, there was certainly a lot more meaning for me in that. And when I was working in a nonprofit, there was a lot more meaning for me in that because I was, uh, you know, I was promoting the arts and supporting. I was basically supporting kids who were doing something amazing with their lives, and that's really very exciting to me. Um, so that's the kind of thing where I can find meaning um, I could not find meaning in being you know an accounting associate for uh, a division in a huge financial company it just wasn't it just wasn't my thing however that could be something that you can find meaning in um, your job <laughs> well one of
0: the things that struck me was there's this movie uh, called Office Space and <laughs> and they get to this point at the end of the movie and um they're having a discussion and the woman says, most people hate their jobs. <laughs> and she talks about how, you know, you go out there and you do your job, but then you come home and you find things that make life meaningful or happy. And I really kind of liked that aspect of it because sometimes we all go through periods of time where we have to do jobs we don't like to do. I worked. I, I got my degree and I worked as a cashier at a, <laughs> at a farm and ranch store. <laughs> I don't know anything about farming or ranching, <laughs> but I worked as a cashier at this farm and ranch store and it was really hard to find meaning in that. But Uh-oh. I thought about, well, I'm doing this because it's supporting you know, my husband as he's going to school. It's making sure that my son has food to eat. It's so I, I kind of looked for that sort of meaning as what sort of impact is this having in my small circle? And then at the end of the day, of course, I got to go home and I got to relax and I got to play with my baby and I got to see how my husband was doing and we got to kind of connect. And so instead of finding all this meaning in work, I, you know, looked for meaning in my family and I looked for meaning in my friends and how we interacted and finding that and then realizing that I could contribute as well, because I was contributing to the well-being of my family by making sure they had a place to live <laughs> and, and food to eat, and and so finding that meaning was kind of a, a way to stopgap it until better things could come.
1: You know, there's career and there's family, and and there's also friends as well. I mean, there are certainly people who find themselves in situations where they might not have a fulfilling career they don't have family that they can go to and, and uh, feel, feel whole, maybe there's meaning in friends as well um, and just relationships that you have that are perhaps they replace family in some way. You know, certainly I have a lot of great friends and that being able to spend time with them provides some level of meaning for me and I can understand how that might be a large part of somebody's understanding of themselves.
0: Oh, for sure. And and you can also realize that, I mean, being a good friend to somebody has is meaning. Being able to help somebody who's your friend or somebody who's in need, even if they aren't your friend, but being able to help people, I think, is a great way to find meaning. Being able to say, hey... I contributed to this helpful cause. I contributed to this. And especially if it's a friend, we, you know, in the past, um, have let people come and live with us for a couple weeks while they were looking for work or they needed to get their feet back under them. And being a good friend has its own reward, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think we, we've kind of skipped over probably one of the biggest sources of meaning for a lot of people in this country and that's their faith um, you know for me religion hasn't been a big part of my life and neither has faith in god or um or any other kind of higher power um, i just haven't made that a big part of my life um, but how has faith worked for you miranda
0: faith has been an interesting part of my life because i grew up in a very faith Soaked atmosphere and faith for a long time provided meaning in my life, and but it doesn't anymore. <laughs> so, like you, uh, I religion is not a big thing. Um, I sometimes go to church because, um, like I'm going to. I went to church because Christmas and and it was a nice way to be with my family. And quite frankly, one of the reasons I like going to church at Christmas time has always been because we sit there and we mostly sing and it's not a big homily. It's not a lot of lecturing. It's just, we sing, we sing and you feel the connection. You feel the emotional connection, but one of the things that helped me move away from my my faith tradition that I grew up with and finding meaning in that was when I started realizing that my religion is not the one true religion <laughs> – and there are lots of, there's lots of truth elsewhere. That's the thing. I grew up thinking that, you know, my meaning in life would be to follow this religious path and do the things that my religion said would give me meaning. And then the ultimate goal, of course, would be uh, living forever, right? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> being rewarded, this eternal reward in some afterlife. And that started to feel hollow to me because I wanted to focus more on here and being here and while my religion does say oh you need to do good things here and you it it is good to be good here and you need to focus on your family and raising them right and and making the world a better place to a certain degree all of that was aimed at some reward in the afterlife (laughs) and I just it fell flat to me and then even more so when I went I went and attended a mosque. I was writing a a news article about Ramadan and I went to this mosque and the Imam said, Oh, well we just barely finished remodeling and we barely finished recarpeting and painting in this big room and uh, where they were doing their prayers. And he said, why don't you come in? And I was the first person to go in there. Mm. And, uh, so he brought me in there and I just sat and I just felt you could feel the devotion of the people. And, to me, after feeling the devotion there, I was like, this is similar to what I feel in in a temple. And I was like, this is the this is the same feeling, but it's I'm I'm outside of the one true church. <laughs> and and so that made me start thinking about the connections we have with people. And you feel these connections even when you go to a sporting event. Stop and think about the emotional connection that you're feeling as you're all clapping or cheering. Or when you go to a theatrical production I was at the Star Wars opening and there was a feeling (laughs) because everybody was there Everybody's the the emotional climate and so for me religion is more about the emotional climate and I know lots of people find meaning in it and that's great and you should and and if faith gives you meaning I think that's a wonderful thing Uh, but I don't think that it has the same meaning for everybody
1: I agree. It's not the same for everybody. I think faith plays a big role in people's lives. For those who are are, are truly connected to their faith, um, in providing that meaning, and that works for those people. That work, that if that works for you, great. You know, maybe there's something else as well. Um, you know, here on Earth that you can feel a part of as well. But nobody can criticize any meaning that anybody finds, whether it's faith-based or not. I think. It's a personal discovery and it's pers- and it's a lifetime of discussion. It's a lifetime of discovery and it's personal. And there's no one can criticize it. No one can tell you that your meaning is wrong. Um, you may feel that people are going to be criticizing that, especially if you come from a faith and you find meaning somewhere else. You're bound to meet some criticism, uh, but it is a personal journey and you shouldn't have to apologize for it. And you shouldn't have to rationalize it to other people.
0: Uh, and that's one of the things that has been something that I've done a lot of since uh, – I'm, 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 this is going to sound awful, but <laughs> let's. I, I found a lot of meaning and a lot of clarity at FinCon <laughs> – which <laughs> just terrible. So I went to this financial blogger conference and surrounded by friends and was able to not be responsible and <laughs> just lay down some of like my burdens because my parents had my son. I was at this conference and I was surrounded by people um, that I love and trust and I acted a little irrationally and irresponsibly. But the next morning, I <laughs> realized <laughs> that I could make my life whatever I wanted to going forward and... I didn't need, like you said, I didn't need to apologize for it because I was, I was really struggling because I'm back home where my family is, where they can see that I'm not religiously involved. They couldn't before they couldn't because they were at a distance. And so as my religious involvement kind of notched down, I, I was kind of able to keep up appearances to them because I was across the country. And so I could just sort of. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know? And and but now I, I can't and, and I have to be and it was really hard for the first couple of months because I was like trying to you know, you don't want to let people down. You 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 have to live up to expectations, but then it was just a big mess. But then after I had this epiphany at Think On, which is a ter- it just sounds really weird. It sounds like the really bad place to have your come to Jesus moment. But um <laughs> and it wasn't and and it wasn't even coming to jesus and so (laughs) just moving away but uh but the reality of the situation is that yes i sat down i said you know what i am going to own this and and i can find meaning and i can be a good person and i can live a good life on my terms and i think that's what it comes down to is do you want to live a good life and a meaningful life and do it on your terms
1: so I think we can't ignore the many philosophers who have discovered or in in their own approach to life that there is no meaning and we are here for no purpose and it doesn't make sense and we're going to die and there's nothing after death. Um, and, you know, I think it's a valid philosophy um, – can't criticize that just like you can't criticize anybody's choice. How do you deal with it when you, that is what you believe?
0: I had an interesting conversation with a relative of mine who was atheist, who is atheist. And he said that it was it was absolutely frightening to him to lose his faith and re- and realize that there's no God and there's no afterlife. And it was frightening. It scared the crap out of him. And Personally, I think it goes to how you look at things. I was like, well, I find it very hopeful because it means that you can kind of take charge of your destiny here on earth. And if there's nothing afterward, have you made your corner of earth as good as it could be while you were here. And it goes back to legacy and what you leave behind and the people who remember you. I don't know. I guess to me, the prospect of nothing doesn't bother me because I'm like, well, that's great because that means you have one chance to make your life great here on earth. (laughs) And and that's how I deal with it. I don't know how you would deal with it.
1: I'm the same as you. And, you know, I think this is our one chance to do something, um, you know, great. And it takes us a while to figure it out sometimes, but everybody has their own pace and we'll figure out something eventually. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think there is meaning to life. I mean, I would disagree with, with philosophers who would say that there's no purpose to life, uh, you know, regardless of you know, whether you believe in God or the afterlife or heaven or not. There's still quite a lot of things that we can do while we have the opportunity and we should take every advantage that we have, um, every advantage as possible.
0: Yeah, and I definitely agree with that because I think you can find meaning in life here without reference to whether or not you're going to have something else later. So, you know, a lot of
1: finding meaning comes down to um, discovering what you want to do and it's not, not always not always represented in some kind of higher um, purpose but just what you like to do and how that helps the world i think for our you know for our suggestions for things you can do now um maybe there's a couple of questions that we can answer that lead in that direction
0: right so i think some of the best things you can do when you want to sit down and figure out your meaning in life is to first of all stop running around like <laughs> get chicken with your head cut off and find some time to sit down and ask yourself, what are your, your unique gifts? What do you have to offer? And then also say, who ask yourself, who have you been when you've been at your best? So who is that person that you really liked when you were at your best?
1: So how do we determine some of these unique gifts? Because I think there are a lot of people in the world and, you know, maybe millennials do all feel they're unique and have unique gifts or maybe a lot of people of this age feel that they are – you know, nobody in this huge, huge sea of um, 7 billion people.
0: I don't, I don't know that you necessarily be like, oh, I am the one person who has this one thing. Uh, I I don't know that uh, you need to focus so much on uniqueness as you do on what do I have to offer?
1: So it's not, it's not necessarily, these unique gifts that we're talking about are not necessarily unique, nor are they necessarily gifts. I mean, the, um, it, they could be skills that we find ourselves having without any kind of, training that just seem to be gifted upon us. But a lot of times these these things that we are really passionate about are things that we work on for long periods of time. Um, that makes it difficult for someone who's young to recognize their skills because they haven't had the time yet to figure this out. So like we've been saying, Answering these questions and figuring out your purpose and your meaning are things that take a whole lifetime to do. I mean, it it isn't necessarily all figured out by the time you leave high school or leave college.
0: Oh, I hope it's not. (laughs) Right.
1: So so some of these unique gifts that we're asking people to find – sitting down and just thinking about them might not be the way to discover it it might be going out there and actually trying different things and taking different paths and seeing what works and seeing where you can contribute the most to the world uh, that's that's kind of a good description of how i went through my process even though that's not how i intended to do it <laughs> these are things that i discovered through you know a couple decades of being Adult aged, let's say, I won't say necessarily an adult, I'll <laughs> say adult aged and, and trying these different things and, and a lot of times it was just reacting to things that were happening around me because it was, uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't in control that much and so it was kind of serendipitous trying to find out where I was going to fit in in the world in the end.
0: Right, and I, I think that Thinking about what you have to offer and trying some things out are very good ways. So, yeah, take some time. Say, well, I'm going to take some time this weekend to volunteer with this this organization. Or I'm going to take some time to do this, uh, to go out and try this other thing because you can see where you work well and what helps you.
1: So another thing that we can suggest is, um, and this is something that I did a few months ago, and it was kind of eye-opening for me, is to draw a map of your life. I'm scared to do this. So what does it mean? (laughs) I mean, I'll I'll share my example on adulting.tv, so be sure to check out exactly how I drew my life. But basically, I figured out, you know, put myself in the center and then branched out into different aspects of my life based on what's important to me. Um, things like, um, financial literacy, arts, um, uh, photography, music, those were the main categories. From there, I branched out into specific things about each category that, you know, really gave me th- something to be passionate about. What I discovered after I went through this process is a lot of the things that I was questioning about were uh, about myself were a lot more clear and it allowed me to um, cut out some of the things that really didn't fit on this map or were too small to be you know really the main you know some of the main things i could focus on in life and it really gave me some focus and allowed me to feel better saying no to some things
0: yeah i like that idea of drawing a map i i this exercise actually scares me. I haven't done it yet <laughs> because I'm afraid of what I'll find. but I, I really think that your map was really interesting to look at and uh, and I will probably have to do my own here pretty yes. soon. We'll expect to have it on the website very shortly. Oh. <laughs> okay. And this last thing? Uh, so and and finally, another great thing to do is go through a perfect day activity. So look at what your perfect day looks like today, but also what it looks like five years in the future, and that will give you something to aim at for meaning in life.
1: Okay, so this is basically the idea of going through your day from top to bottom five years in the future. You know, it'll give you some direction. That's for sure. Because the first thing you'll do is, all right. So I wake up. It's now. Um, uh, what year is this it's 2015 so that would be 2020 2020 2020 in the year tw- 2020 um December something 2020 I wake up and who am I next to that's the first thing that you've got <laughs> first thing that you should answer right and um okay I get up do I have breakfast what do I have for breakfast do I go to work uh where do I go to work what am I doing? How am I spending my day? And you go through this process just throughout the whole day, and it might give you a good idea of you know what things are important to you. And the important piece of this is looking ahead five years and imagining yourself as someone who is five years older, five years wiser, and what, what would that person be doing?
0: Yeah, I, I kind of like this, although it also scares me, <laughs> too. All of us looking <laughs> to the future is scary. Right. But it's important. It be, if, if, you want, if you want to go through life uh, with meaning, then you do need to take this exercise and really think about what it what that looks like to you.
1: Right, and I think it's important to remember that we're not predicting the future here. Um, what <laughs> It's, it's going to change. Thing, <laughs> the thing we imagine for five years in the future is probably not going to happen. It's probably not going to play out that way. It might, but it at least gives you a vision that you can move towards and if you have to take a detour here or there, that's fine because that's all a part of life. You know, it's this idea of having some sort of visualization of what you would like to be within five years, how you how you would like to live your life. And then if you end up changing your mind along the way it's totally fine
0: oh yeah for sure and i think that that's important to realize too is that like you said this isn't predicting the future this is about really thinking about what brings meaning to your life and how you can start moving that direction
1: so we have a listener question sometimes i feel trapped in my own life what are some things that i can do
0: to feel like i have more control so this is something that, that that I can really identify with because there have been times in my, I, I think like everyone, we feel trapped. But one of the things that I started doing to feel a little less trapped and to feel like I had a little more control in my life was to look for those things, look for those choices that I could make. And not always big choices, sometimes small choices, sometimes sometimes something as, as simple as... Um, I can choose what I'm going to eat for dinner tonight and plan that out. I mean, there are times when I've I've, that's literally been like the only real choice I've had to make (laughs) that day because I felt so trapped or I, I haven't been able to go the direction that I can. And then another thing is to sit down and identify what you want your life to look like kind of going back to that perfect day activity or trying to figure out what's important to you because a lot of the time we feel trapped because we know we're dissatisfied but we don't know why so trying to figure out what really matters and then finally the other thing that really helped me was just saying okay i am going to carve out some time and i am going to do some volunteer work it's amazing how volunteering and helping others can help you feel better about your own life and also help you feel like you have control because you can choose which organization you're going to go help, which organization you're going to volunteer with, and you can choose what you're going to do with that hour of your weekend. And that, that was amazing to me how much that helped.
1: Yeah. So I went through a long period of time in my life um, as a young adult feeling like I was completely out of control of my life. Um, and I was a victim of everything that happened around me. I had no effect on the world itself. And so I, I know this, I know this feeling of being trapped pretty well. And I had a boss at the time who, who always said, you know, you have a choice in everything you do. You, you show up to work late. That's a choice. You wake up late. That's a choice. And I would think, well, how can that be a choice? Because it happens while I'm asleep. I have no control over this. Eventually I kind of, saw his side of things and realized that everything in life is a choice, but there was an intermediary step that was missing. And that's why I couldn't get to that point where I was actively making choices in my own life. And I think that step before you can accept the fact that everything that you do is a choice is evaluation, self-evaluation and on the personal finance side of things, The only way to get control of your finances is to first identify where you are with your finances. So we talk about, you know, taking an inventory and doing an audit of your finances. That's really the first step to gaining control of your finances. And I've written so many times about that over the last decade plus um, but it applies to everything in life as an adult as well Um, you need to do this self reflection you need to start understanding yourself you need to start taking notes and observing yourself and then from there you have this understanding that allows you to start making choices and take control of your own life Um, it relieves you from this feeling of being trapped once you know where you are and know where you have to go you're not you're uh, there, there are probably some external pressures still, but you can recognize mm-hmm. them. You, you you note them down. You figure them out and realize what of those you can change, what of those you can't change, and the things that you can't change. The things that you can change, you take control over, and the things that you can't change, you control how you react to it and how you deal with it.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a good point. It's, it's hard sometimes to react in a certain way, but we do ultimately have... Some choice over how it would react to things, always. Yeah, and and this kind of <laughs> one more personal, really horrible story that you can edit out if you want. But <laughs> one of, one of the things was when my husband asked for divorce, and I spent you know a couple of weeks. Every morning, I just wake up crying, and I just everything everything made me cry. And I would wake up every morning just feeling awful and crying for a couple of weeks. And then one one morning. I woke up and I started. I woke up and I felt awful and I was crying. And then I stopped and I said, wait a minute. Um, you know, do, do I want to spend the rest of the foreseeable future crying every morning? And, you know, yes, this is awful. And yes, I feel bad. And yes, I'm going to have serious emotional issues to deal with. But. I need, to, you know, I need to wake up and, and start seeing the possibilities and start seeing this as a new beginning and a chance to move forward. And it was difficult, but I did. So the next morning I woke up and instead of crying, I was like, well, what do I need to do today to get ready for the rest of my life? I need to get ready to move across the country i need to figure out what i'm going to do with my son's school i've got to figure out all this stuff so instead of waking up just crying and hopeless i woke up i said okay what do i need to do to figure out today what do i need to do to figure out today and what is today going to do to help me with getting ready for the rest of my life
1: sure and that's you know a great example of how it's a choice everything you do is a choice once you have more control um once you um, analyze yourself a little bit, it becomes a lot easier to figure out which, you know, what what path you're on and what is going to be your eventual meaning in life. Share with us what your meaning is. Uh, come to adulting.tv and let us know. Certainly share along and follow along and download more episodes. And we will be back next week with something new.
0: Thanks.
1: Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv.